1 Corinthians 13, and no, this is not a wedding, and I know it's not, but we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read the whole thing to you today. We're going to cover the whole chapter. The Word of God reads, If I speak in tongues of men, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, when, when, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these now, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word. And we pray that through your words, we will understand exactly what's on your heart for us, not only as a church, but for us as your children. So God, clarify that for us today, convict our hearts today, and help us to move in your ways from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I struggled majorly with the sermon this week. Uh, knowing that it was my last, I wanted to, you know, just say something special or profound or something. And so I thought, you know, let's keep the attention off of yourself, Eddie Bangs. Let's just preach about Jesus, show how worthy he is, you know, of all of our worship and to be lived for with all that we have. And then I realized I did that last week. So, you know, and, uh, not that Jesus is not worthy of two weeks in a row, but, you know, I would maybe, so I just thought, oh, maybe then I have free license to kind of share what's really upon my heart with you guys. And so after a lot of trial and error, I came upon, I came upon this one. And this is the message that I want to share with you today as I leave. Um, and it's, it's about love. That's it. Uh, today's message, I know, it's, today's passage is always preached at weddings, but if you read this passage and if you study it, you're going to realize that love is so much deeper than the bond that can be shared between a man and a woman, you know, or husband and a wife. Love is actually eternally significant. Why? Because God himself is love. Love is who God is. God is love. And when we live lives of love, when we live lives of true love, like God quality like love, then we live eternally significant lives. And that's what I want for all of you. I want your life to be eternally significant. Okay? So let's go through this passage together. 
so that you understand what's being said in this passage. You know, verses 1 to 3, if you read it, I know you've read it so often. you read it so many times. You've heard it at weddings so often, all that kind of stuff. But if you read it and actually study it, you actually might be surprised by what it says, right? And this is what it's saying. It's saying that you can be spiritually gifted powerfully, which is awesome if you are, right? I'm not. You know, you could be anointed by God himself to understand and fathom all the mysteries of heaven and on earth. That would be absolutely amazing. You can be anointed to understand all that. You can actually even be the best practicing Christian on this earth. You could have the deepest faith and trust in Jesus. You could be giving everything away, feeding the poor and, you know, clothing the naked, everything in this world. You could be doing all that stuff. And all that is everything we all want to be. It's everything that the Bible commands us to be. It's everything that Jesus was. But then it says what? But if you don't have love, if you don't operate your life out of love, if you don't do things with love as the sole motivation and intention behind what you do, then even though you have a powerful faith, even though you might be performing miracles day to day, even though you possess the deepest understandings of God and of heaven and even on earth, all you are to the kingdom is the most annoying noise. Isn't that amazing? Right? You could have all that. But if you don't operate in love, you become the moist, the most annoying noise to the kingdom. Without love, you become an annoyance. Isn't that crazy? That's what it says. That's harsh. But it gets even harsher, right? It says, without love, I am nothing to the kingdom. And that's a huge statement, right? Isn't that a huge statement? If you don't operate your life in love, then God considers you nothing. And that's a crazy statement because Christ sent his own son to die for you because he valued you so much as his children that he, that he bought you back with the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. You're his children. You're the apple of his eye. But what this verse is saying is that if you live your life out of love, if you, love is not driving everything that you do, then what is it saying? Does it mean that you're actually nothing? No. But what it means that our lives, our service, all of our accomplishments lose all value to God. Zero. In his eyes. Isn't that scary? Right? We could live a whole life of everything they just described, but if we don't have love, it counts for zero. And so, of course, the last verse makes perfect sense. It says that we actually gain nothing because we don't live our lives out of love. So the question is, how important is love? It's huge. It's eternally significant. Right? And that's really huge to people like us today, isn't it? Because Christians these days, let's be honest, Christians these days, we're, we're like hung up with performance. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's in church, whether it's outside of church, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, whatever it is, wow, this guy is so gifted with the Holy Spirit. He can do so many things. This woman is so wise. That guy has such a deep understanding of God. Right? Whoa. That lady's been serving the church for 25 years straight. She never even goes on holiday. You know, and these are the great, and those things are great. And we get fascinated by those things and we attribute honor to these people, which maybe they do deserve on a human level. But the question that God is asking here is a significant one. 
He's saying, yeah, you know, all this stuff is really good. It really is. But are you really loving people like I do? Right? That's like the measuring stick that God's kind of saying here, isn't it? Is love driving all that you do and how you do it? If not, your noise. If not, then what is it saying? You contribute zero to the kingdom. I don't value the things that you do. And therefore, you gain nothing of eternal significance. Right? It's harsh. It's huge. That's truth, though, right? So here's, here's a tough question. Is it possible that there are believers in the church who are just empty nuances, or nuances, empty nuisances to the kingdom? Is that a harsh question? It is, but this is who we are. We're honest. There are, right? Or else there would be no passage like this, right? I'm guessing that there are probably a lot of empty nuances New, empty nuisances. I am stuttering today, so I apologize. But basically, what are we trying to say? God is highlighting how important, how essential love is, right? All of life itself is about love, is about to be, is, is to be lived in his love, out of his love, right? That's what he's emphasizing here. Verse 4 to 7 goes into detail what love is actually about. This is outside the scope of this particular message. It's outside the scope of what I want to share with you. I'll actually sum it up in a few moments. But uh, study 4 to 7 on your own. Learn what love really is in God's eyes and then become that. Okay, but let's move on to verses 8 to 12. Verses 8 to 12 share something very profound that hopefully uh, transforms your perspective. It's saying that everything that we see Everything that we do right now will all be gone, okay? Everything that you do, everything that you see will all be gone. Here we go. Let's be more specific. The things that we do for God that we think are so important right now will all be gone. The gifts that God actually gifts us to do that work, even in church, in ministry, whatever it might be, will all be gone, so therefore, it goes on to say this. It says, when we were younger Christians, we really believed that the work, that the giftings, that the ministry that we were doing was what was most important. But then the passage says, all those things are going to disappear. I'll be gone. So what? What's the point? The work and the gifting and the ministry is important. But it is not the most important thing to God. And that's the point. There is one thing that is greater. And it goes on to say that as we get older and older, hopefully we begin to realize this greater truth. What's the greater truth? Verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What is this verse saying? It's saying that only three things will ever remain. Faith, hope, and love. Gifting is gone. Knowledge is gone. Work is gone. Ministry, all gone. Only these things, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Why do those three things only remain? Simple, because those are eternal values, right? How huge is faith? Faith is everything, right? Faith in Jesus Christ is what gets you into heaven. It's what gives you eternal life. It's huge. Faith, trusting in Christ, that is everything. That's eternal. Huge important. And then it goes on to say, hope 
is huge, isn't it? Hope is huge. Hope is hope in the living Christ who lives within us each and every single day. That's what gets through all the trials. That's what gets us through all the trials and the challenges that we face each and every single day. Hope keeps our eyes and our hearts focused upon Christ, our eternal hope. So faith and hope are eternal and they're huge. But this passage says that there's one thing greater, which is love. God says love is greater. And therefore, love is what God wants your life to be about and to be driven by, right? It's actually what he's going to measure your life by. Isn't that huge? Right? You're either nothing or you're something. Isn't that what he says? If you don't have love. So that's what he's going to measure your life by. Whether you lived a life of love. And it all depends on that, right? So what is love? Verses 8 to 12 describes it. If I can sum it up, this is what I'll say. Love is giving your life completely to people. Heart, soul, mind, and being. Giving your life to people because Jesus gave his life to people. That's it. Okay? Love is giving your life to these people, if I can say it like that, because Jesus gave his life, literally, for those people. And I know that's kind of a very generic way to say those things, and maybe the question that comes to your mind is, Eddie, well, who are these people? Who am I supposed to love? And the answer is, I have no idea. Right? But this is what I'll say. What I do know is that Jesus spent his whole years on this earth, and what we read about in his ministry, he spent his years loving the unlovable, the marginalized, and the outcast. Right? Am I telling you to go out and find the, the first vagrant that you see and just love them for the rest of your life? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, but I am encouraging, encouraging you to do something very, very similar. And this is all, this is the all I'll just say it this way. Um, there are people in your life that you've already labeled as unlovable. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they did something to you. Or maybe they're just jerks that you don't want to be around. Right? There are people in your life that you've already marginalized for one reason or another. Past hurts, you know, something they did to your family, whatever it might be. There are people that you've actually outcasted out of your life, right? Or casted out of your life. You know, you've done that already. So my suggestion is if I would start there. And if that's too hard, then start with your CG members. Have you ever committed yourself fully to one person in your CG to love them with all of your life? You know, it's hard for husbands to do that for their wives. It's hard for wives to do that for the husbands. But uh, have you ever practiced that with the people that you've been called to love already in your life? Let alone those you've outcasted or casted out, marginalized, and deem unlovable. God is calling us to love them. So here's what I'll say. Don't just reach out to them and do your charity work. Don't just reach out to them. Give your life to them. Initiate love. Pray for them. Serve them. Get rejected by them over and over and over again, and then never give up. That is a life of love, right? Beautiful. Is that encouraging for Eddie Bang's last message to you guys? No, it isn't. But that's real. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. Basically, that's all I'm trying to. That's all I'm asking you to do, right? Is to take off our Christian, you know, 
rose-colored glasses when we read our scripture and really look into Jesus' life. Look how he loved people. And it's just, it's mind-blowingly radical. And all Jesus ever asks us to do is to love people in the exact same way. Right? Oh, Eddie, man, if I live like that towards people that I don't like, man, that's costly. That's painful. That's unpleasant. And yes, it is. Loving people like that will ruin all of your personal plans. Right? It's so hard. And this is what I'll say. Nothing will destroy who you are more than love. Nothing will destroy who you are more than love. Just ask any husband. Right? Just as any wife, they know every single day, I got to destroy myself in order to love this person. It's real. But we've never done that. Or I mean, I'm just can't say we never done that, but it's hard. But that might be a great thing because we're so selfish and we're so judgmental and we're so arrogant. And if those things can be broken by being loved, wow, that's a great thing. Isn't, Jesus, isn't God making us more like Christ? Nothing will invite us more deeply into an intimate knowledge and understanding of Christ and the gospel more than being love and practicing love. So love is everything. And God is inviting you into that every single day. But the main reason to love is because it pleases God. It reflects Christ more powerfully than anything you could ever do with your life, right? This is the biggest statement I'll ever make in the three years that I've been here. Living, like, living a life of love will reflect Christ more powerfully than anything else you could ever do with your life. It's more powerful than any ministry. It's more powerful than any kingdom work that you could create or come up with. I would even argue that it's really the only work and ministry we are truly called to because if we ever do anything without love, we're not really doing his work or ministry, are we? So look around you at your church. Look around you at work or on the train or on the street. Every life matters. Every person is worthy to give your life to, right? Spending your life loving people, especially the unlovable ones, is never a waste of a life. It is never a waste to God. For people on this earth, it's a total waste, right? Why are you wasting your life loving those people that don't like you, loving those people that reject you, loving those people that don't even acknowledge you and care for you, right? Why do you do that? Why do you pour out your life to these people? It's such a waste. You could be doing A, B, and C. You could be accomplishing X, Y, Z. You could be advancing in so many great ways for yourself. Why are you wasting your life loving those people that don't even care? It's a waste. Right? in the eyes of the world. But what you don't realize is that when you choose to live your life like that and to love those people, it's actually the most beautiful worship and offering you can ever give God. You know? It's what Jesus would do. It's what Jesus did. And it's what counts for eternity. And I want your life to count for eternity. That's why love is the main thing that God wants you to be about. That's why love is the main thing that he wants the church to be about. Because without it, we're just noise. We're nothing. And we gain nothing. But with it, we gain him in every possible way.
So my last request is this. Waste your life loving people. Let's pray. I think my only prayer as I leave this place is that uh, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if we, if we ever hear about full life ministry, you know, every church always gets criticized for something. But I hope that no matter what those might be, people will always say, but you want to know something? That place is a place of love. People there, they're crazy. They love people who don't love them back. They give themselves to each other in ways that is truly could, that could only be motivated by the divine. That's a great testimony. That gives God honor. That like welcomes the pleasure of God into this place. And that builds up eternal treasure for all of us in heaven. That's what I want for you guys. Love is like the hardest thing you could ever do with your life. but it is the greatest worship we can give to God with our lives. So can I invite you to take that step to live a life of love, to never discount people, to never look down on anyone. And if you ever feel tempted to, to realize that maybe that's God calling you to love some people and maybe to invest in them, that's what's going to make him great in you. And that's, gonna, that's what's going to make this church great in the eyes of God. Let's pray. so much for sending your son Christ that we could read about him in all of these gospels and we see the life of love that he lived Father every single day if we're honest you know we look at ourselves and we sin all the time we're rebellious all the time we want to make names for ourselves all the time and you look at that in your own children but you don't judge us you don't condemn us you don't like chastise us as a result Instead, you give us space 
so that we might realize your love and forgiveness, that we could run to you. And God, you continually create environments that invite us into your love because you create that for us. Your heart is that big for us, for people that, you know, you call your enemies, for people that are always rebellious in every single way. And we thank you, God, that your grace is that huge. We thank you, God, that you love us that much. And we thank you that every single day that that we're a Christian, we realize how unworthy it is to actually be forgiven, to actually be loved by you. But to know that we are is the greatest treasure. And so thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus that we might be forgiven, that we might be loved and continually invested in by you. So Lord, we just want to live that same type of love as you've called us to, as you called us and designed us to be like you. Help us to be love and to live these lives of love and to not live our lives according to the philosophies of this world, according to the measurements of this world, according to the KPIs of this world. But God, give us wisdom, eternal wisdom, like you share with us in 1 Corinthians 13 to live our lives in such a way that looks like a waste to this world. But deep inside, we know we live it because it is the greatest worship and the most beautiful offering we can give to you. So Lord, I pray that you will take these lives and make them into the greatest offerings for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.